welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 212th edition of Assembly Call Radio and our 708th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of May 6, 2021. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. Banner moment for me this week came from an interview that Mike Woodson did with uh, Greg Doyle, Rick Bozich, and I think Bob Kravitz was the third person. Uh, I know I read about this on uh, Rick Bozich's. Uh, he had a link to kind of a transcript of the interview uh, on his Twitter, and and it's funny because we have been talking a lot now about that the roster seems fairly set, and you've kind of shift seen things shift to what are the expectations uh, for year one for this team and things like that. And Doyle essentially asked that question. He said, what kind of season is acceptable in year one? Year one in your coaching tenure is not supposed to be your best one, but what do you expect to see based on your roster and your own goals? Woodson's response to me was the banner moment, and I, I may or may not read the whole thing, but uh, you know, he started out by saying, again, I didn't come back just to come just to come back and be the coach in Indiana. I'm trying to win the Big Ten. I'm trying to win the national title. That's the only thing I'm selling here as a head coach. I'm not selling anything else. Uh, it talked about when he got his first coaching job in Atlanta after just winning the NBA title as an assistant with Larry Brown, and that maybe he was, you know, naive to think that he'd be able to go in and get that team to the playoffs. But he said, "I went in there selling playoffs. We've got to make the playoffs because if you don't push that and sell it, then it becomes second nature to these guys." And I didn't want that. I wasn't being realistic about it. I get that, but I just won an NBA title. I knew what that high was all about. I couldn't sell it no other way when I went to Atlanta. And so he talked about having some struggles and and how that team really grew over the course of time and, and finished it by saying, I'm not selling it any differently here as the head coach at Indiana University. We've got to win the Big Ten. We've got to try to win a national title because that's what it's all about. To answer your question, I'm looking to push this team, put a competitive team on the floor that's going to make our fan base happy. Uh, so that's that's what I'm about. That's what I'm going to try to do. If we could walk into a Big Ten title, man, it would be one of the most beautiful things that can happen to this program. And if we can position ourselves to win a national title, then that's what I'm going to push for. That's the only reason that I'm back. That's not to say it's going to happen, but I'm not looking at anything else differently. Uh, I think good to get you know some candid responses of what he really believes the expectations are and can be uh, for this team here in uh, year one of the Mike Woodson era. And that he's setting those high expectations, going to hold players to that and uh, really try to get him there. So I think just, again, as we go through, um, you know, so much of uh, of what what he's saying, what he's selling to these guys, uh, just awesome to hear that vision, his uh, honesty about it and and but his unwillingness to settle uh, for something less than, you know, Big Ten titles and, and things like that. And hopefully that really pushes these guys to uh, to where they want to get. And, uh, you know, again, just another reason to get excited. And so we've been asked for our expectations, and uh, those are Coach Woodson. So uh, we'll see how those play out as the season gets closer. But uh, it's certainly been enjoyable to, to see the access to the program continue the way that it has with these different interviews over the last couple of weeks. And I thought that was a, a good glimpse into where he sits right now. So with that, let me introduce my esteemed co-host for tonight. Jared may join us later on, but here with me now are the other two members of our starting lineup. First up. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, 
remember fake hustle is a crime He's the coach and it's Tonsoni time Coach, it's Tonsoni time. What's on your mind tonight? Um, You know, it just it's continuing to uh, make me happy to hear the access um, and, and this vision being played out by Indiana men's basketball where they're, they're talking to the fan base more. The access to multiple media outlets uh, has just been an incredible. And when you listen uh, to Coach Woodson talk, you read about, about him in the various outlets. I uh, hear Dane Fife, uh, Coach Yah on different – things i just it, it it really shows to me what we were missing uh and what we were missing was some leadership that was a little bit defensive of and a little bit maybe intimidated by the whole um you know scope of indiana basketball and it doesn't guarantee winning necessarily but it does bring uh fans closer to the program and i just have been enjoying that uh you know, and it's easy to do in the first month. It's easy to do in an off season when the pressures of the games and practices uh, aren't there. But I really believe that's going to continue. I just think it is a a good uh, attorney a turnaround for Indiana basketball. It's really enjoyable as a fan, uh, uh, as a coach. Uh, I, I enjoy it because you pick up little things. You know, the Dane Fife interview, I could listen to Dane Fife for hours and hours and hours and not just about his baseball lineups on his, uh, you know, PlayStation games or whatever he was talking about the other day. But he did mention a little bit about, and I maybe picked up that Xavier and Rob might play together. Uh, there was a little bit of a conversation about Rob being a step-up shooter. Uh, so maybe there were it was some hints to watch uh, as we all debate the, the lineups. It's just... It's been a, a whole different feel to Indiana basketball uh, since Coach Woodson's been here. And, you know, you had Coach Crean, you had Coach Miller. They both had strengths, but they all, they both had a little bit of protection. They didn't want to uh, let people in. And, and, boy, Woodson, Fife, and staff really do that. And that's just amazing. As far as I'm going to start watching some – try to get some full game video uh, of the new guys so you can see them off the ball playing defense. I was watching Xavier Johnson tonight against Louisville. Uh, to you know, you you go to a highlight tape and you see the best. Uh, you want to see some of the things that they need to work on too. So I'm going to be spending some time doing that. And the other thing I'm wondering is we talk a lot about offense and fits, and we're going to do scouting reports. But what's this team going to do defensively? How are they going to guard? Uh, are they going to have multiple defenses, force middle, force baseline? Boy, I'm excited about trying to figure that out uh, and see where Indiana basketball is headed as far as a strategy standpoint. Uh, those are my thoughts this week, and it's just glad to to be here with you guys and, and continue to have a positive vibe about Indiana basketball. Definitely. All right, next up. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. I find that I have a little bit more. Uh, I, I look at the the song a little bit differently now that we got to hear Bob really talk about the uh, the origin and the process to put it together last week. So, uh, Ryan, <laughs> anything to uh, rant about this week? Uh, you know, first of all, I want to give a shout out to IU men's soccer who came back from one goal down to win two to one today against Marquette in the, uh, NCAA tournament to move on big win. Uh, this IU this year really has a chance to, uh, to to win a national title. So to keep going on, they've had two tight matches in the first two of the tournament. So hopefully those are done and it's all smooth sailing now. 
Um, but I think that you were right, Andy, that that interview that Woodson gave and, and what we heard and, and particularly the stuff about Trace Jackson Davis, about how um, he really didn't know the angle to take to convince him to come back. And, and we had heard, you know, that he showed Trace a, a film of, you know, some plays where he didn't get the job done. And eventually the light went on and, and Trace understood what he was doing and understood Oh, I need to get better to come back. And 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 Woodson was not trying to, you know, diss him for that, but was more like, look, you're not ready. I can be the guy that that gets you ready. And, and how that turned it around. And how in his first meeting, he thought there were about five key players who did not commit to coming back. And and he was downtrodden with that and and worked really hard. Now getting Trace back probably helped to get the other guys back. But that was the guy he targeted and got back. And and I just thought it was interesting the way he talked about it and talked about how, you know, he really was distraught at that first meeting and and had to figure out a way to get them back and and did and you know got everybody but I guess Joey Brunk and and Al Al was gone quickly I think before Woodson even got hired, but then to get you know, to miss on Armand, but still get all those other guys back and then hit on Scoop Bates and then hit on, you know, getting Miller Cop and, and Xavier Johnson and, and getting the other guys really filled out that roster. And it, it's it's interesting just that initially he was kind of upset at the way things were going and then was able to turn it around really quickly and and figure it out. And and that's I think looks good uh for the future of IU basketball, if he's able to sort of figure things out and put the put the puzzle together very quickly on some of these big issues, uh, I think that'll really help. And so that that interview was fantastic, and and it was really gave an insight into what he's doing. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the part about the Trace Jackson Davis thing where he you know, showed a bunch of stuff, and Trace was basically like, "Yeah, you haven't shown me." you know, highlights of anything that I did well. And his answer was bingo. <laughs> so yeah, was, exactly. Oh, that, well, that was pretty good. But I think that's what you've kind of heard with some of this, that he's, you know, telling, not afraid to tell guys things that they may not want to hear, but that kind of honesty, I think what's come out with a lot of guys, and maybe it's just because that's the kinds of guys that IU is getting. I, I think there's a lot of times where people feel like they need to tread so lightly around these guys and not, yeah, you know, not necessarily coach them hard, but, but not, but, feel reluctant to point that stuff out and i think what well, you're every hearing... player every player can take some can take some of that criticism differently you know and trace was clearly a guy who you can be honest with and he took it well you know whereas i'm sure there are some guys where if all you do is show them bad plays they'd walk out of the room and want to transfer you yeah. know but but i think that it's all about figuring out those individual relationships and sometimes you got to gamble and it seems like he gambled on trace and and you know, it came up good for us. Yeah, and I think what you you like at least is that it seems like IU has guys that respond well to that, aren't afraid to get that kind of coaching, criticism, feedback, whatever you want to call it. And I think kids maybe are more open to that uh, than than people may give them credit for. But that's my Com- sense. Communication is so important. It's how you say it too. You know, how you show those bad plays. If you show those bad plays and say you're horrible, you know, that's not going to set a good a good tone. But if if you show them in, in an atmosphere where it's going to help you get better for your goal, and that just sounds like that's just Co- Coach Woodson's 
you know, way of doing things is here's what I believe and here's what I say, but it's genuine. I think the word that I will use about Coach Woodson, even Coach Fife and, and the guys and the coaching staff that I'm listening to is they have a genuine approach. And, and if you're a college kid, there are some kids that aren't going to like that, that they'll, they'll want to be patted on the back all the time. But I think sometimes those kids don't win for you. You know, the kids you can be honest with are, are kids that are uh, young men that are going to probably win for you too. So it's about how you communicate. And I, I, again, I am just very impressed with the level of communication with the media and what it seems like is going on with the players. Uh, I think that's just a, a strength and much needed uh, for, for Indiana basketball. All right. Well, here's what we're going to cover this week. We've got Hoosier headlines as usual. Our main topic tonight is going to be a, a bit of a scouting report, just some uh, overall discussion on Miller Cop. And then we'll end by end by answering your questions. We got a, a number of them again. Although, uh, if we got a few left over, maybe we can convince Coach to uh, to do them for the community again, as he did with the ones from last week. So we've got all that coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. Uh, and before we jump into Who's Your Headlines, we can talk for a brief moment about gifts. It's probably too late at this point to order a Mother's Day gift and have it arrive in time, but you still have plenty of time to plan for Father's Day. And if you want a thoughtful, unique gift for the sports fan in your life, and you really should check out Playbook Products. They offer an incredible selection of fun, high-quality coasters and coffee mugs that feature designs of or designs and diagrams of famous plays. Uh, for IU, you've got the Watch Shot, Keith Smart Shot. Uh, for the Eagles, uh, for me, the Philly Special, of course, is included. Uh, this was I enjoyed Jared putting this in. For Ryan's favorite, the Chargers, there's Ladanian Tomlinson breaking the touchdown record and an actual diagram of Dean Spanos putting a knife into the back of the city of San Diego. And for Jared, I can draw that for you. I can draw that for you. <laughs> and for Jared's adopted Virginia Cavaliers, uh, there are four diagrams from the 2019 title run. So uh, he may be sending those to Ty Jerome uh, right now as we speak. And, and perhaps once he gets that order finished, he'll be on with us. But uh, the point is that Playbook Products has something for every pro team and a ton of college teams as well. These are unique gifts that the sports fan in your life will appreciate, which is why I got them for Jared a number of years ago, and he still uses them. And now we're happy to tell you about them here on the show. So if you go to assemblycall.com slash PP, that's assemblycall.com slash PP, and start browsing, you'll definitely find something for yourself or the sports fan in your life. And when you use that URL, again, it's assemblycall.com slash PP. They know that we sent you, so we get a 15% commission on your entire order. So go to assemblycall.com slash PP and pick out your coasters and mugs today. Again, that's assemblycall.com slash PP. All right, guys. So here's our uh, who's your headlines for the week. I kind of break these up a little bit. Uh, so recruiting rankings updated uh, on two four seven. Uh, you've got Tamar Bates ended up being number twenty six, which was a, a, a pretty hefty increase, similar to what uh, what he saw in the ESPN rankings. He was the uh, I guess the first uh, first guy outside of the five star range, I believe. Uh, Logan Duncan ended up at number sixty two. And uh, Jared threw a couple others of interest on here. Trey Kaufman, 45, and Caleb first, 61. So just one spot ahead of Duncan. Uh, there were four. By the way, how, how how improved does that recruiting class look now? Yeah, no kidding. Versus no kidding. like two months ago. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you average those out. That looks a little bit different than it did before, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then he had four Big Ten five stars, two to Michigan, one to Michigan State, and one to Nebraska. Um I did not. I, I can't say that I know who that is, um, but that did stand out to me as a little bit odd. So who knows? Um, any uh, Ryan? Any any thoughts other than you know, kind of what you what you jumped in with there, just of, of how much uh, Bates has climbed even since the last two four seven? But you know, Duncan has made a, a fairly uh, steady ascent too. It feels like. Uh, yeah, I think that that 
Duncan, we talked about when we scouted his video, and he was a, a guy up near the near a hundred. I'm not sure exactly what number he was, but he was a lot higher. And we talked about this is a guy who's, who's going to rise. He's he, he just does too many things well, and you felt like he was going to add some weight and add some strength and get better and better and better. And that's played out. And also, we like the way he played defense. He's just incredibly long arms and and is able to disrupt shots. So I'm not shocked that he has jumped up to the 60s. Um, as far as Bates goes, I look, I think he looks great on, on, on film. Uh, I, I'm surprised he jumped as high as he did just because he's not that the guys who jump into the almost five-star discussion are typically NBA guys could go right after freshman year. He's not that guy. He could go certainly after a few years, but it's it, it, that's surprising to me. But he is a really good player and a really fun player to watch. And I think that also his attitude has contributed to that. I mean, he's we talked about it when I did the scouting report. There's something about his personality. Plus, the other thing is he played really good competition at IMG. So if he was doing well against top competition, it makes sense that he would make a jump. Uh, I, I didn't think he'd get that high just because usually when they get that high, it's a flashy guy who has a shot at, at you know jumping to the next level very quickly. I think he's a two-year college player minimum. Uh, so yeah, that that's great news for him and and, a, and great recognition for him. Uh, but yeah, the recruiting class just looks you know a couple months ago it looked like one guy in the eighties, you, you know, and now it's a guy who's almost a five star and a guy in the sixties. That's a really good recruiting class. Whereas months ago, it looked like there had been so many misses and so many guys just, you know, and, and there's luck involved there too. Uh, Bates was going to, was going to Texas and then Shaka smart leaves. And all of a sudden he's on the market, the Woodson and company uh, swoop in very quickly and, and lock him down that, that worked out for Indiana, but it's also uh, evidence that the recruiting class is never done until it's done. So it felt like Indiana was done in November for this class. Nope, it's not done until they are on campus, essentially. So I, I think that's a huge piece of news for Indiana and shows the kind of players that they'll be they'll be importing. You, you know, ahead, uh, Bates Bates is interesting. I can't wait to see him play uh, because that's just talent. Uh, you know, and, and we had a guy in the mid twenties last year in Lander, but he was reclassified, and, and that was a tough move for him. But when you get guys in that are talented, they're going to play. Yes, they need to learn uh, the college game, and especially defensively, uh, that's going to be a key uh, for Tamar to come in and be able to do that. But if if you're that talented uh, and the adjustment, you, you can make that adjustment somewhat, you're going to get some some really solid minutes because Indiana needs scorers and people to put the ball in the basket. The thing that I will tell people, I am really high on Duncan. Um, a lot of times when you have a high school guy who is – a big guy, 6'9", 6'10", 6'11". They dominate purely because of either their athletic ability or their size. He is really fundamental as well as being 6'9". You know, he's the, smart too, he's coach. He's smart. He's got great feet. I, I talked to uh, – when he committed, I talked to the Moeller coach. Um, my, my good friend uh, coaches at St. X uh, in Cincinnati and is turning that basketball program around and has to compete against Moeller. And all I keep hearing is motor, 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 motor. So we're getting a 61 recruit, and, and that, you know, rankings are rankings. Uh, you got to get it done in college. But I love hearing motor, offensive rebounder, can turn on both shoulders. You know, I'm not, I, I'm not predicting he's going to come in and be a dominant player as a freshman. But, boy, is he a two- or three-, four-year guy that can really 
or we're worried about the post play and, and the numbers in the post after TJD leaves. I think after after uh, Trace decides to leave, Duncan's going to be really primed and ready to go. I think everyone who watches Indiana basketball, that's going to be a guy that we really start start liking when we see what he brings uh, on, on the floor. I'm really excited about both of those both of those yeah. young men. Coming to and Indiana. I think I think that if Duncan was coming in and expected to contribute a lot immediately with Trace going to the next level, obviously as, as most of us thought would happen, Indiana was in trouble because I do think he's going to take an adjustment period. But he is a motor guy. He yeah. he's sort of and 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 the 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 film and I talked about it a year ago when he committed was sort of a diet version of Cody Zeller. He's not the athlete Zeller was, and he's not the, the, the five-star all everything that Zeller was, but he's a guy who runs the floor, works hard, scores in close, can stretch it a little bit, gives you effort and plays well on defense. I mean, there's, there's a lot to like as sort of a, a, a lower ceiling version of, of Cody Zeller and Cody Zeller's obviously his ceiling was enormous. And, and of course I'm talking about them as high school players yeah, and uh, he's comparing, got- comparing high school to high school. Yeah, he's got a 15-foot shot right now that you can trust. And I yes. know the motor coach says he believes he can be able to shoot to three at some point. So you come in and do your development in college. You put some weight on. Uh, you do that. Someone asked about him, you know, versus first. Um, I think Duncan's more a, a, a true center type, back-to-the-basket hook shot rebounder, pick-and-pop kind of guy. First seems to to have a, a little more maybe four, uh, the ability to play the four spot. But I think they're about – you know, the same kind of player. We hear a lot more about uh, that guy because he played at Fort Wayne Blackhawk and in, in Indiana. Um, but but Duncan is is just as good. And, and I haven't seen them play head-to-head. Um, and I'm not sure if they played – yeah, I think they I played think they, head-to-head. I think they did, and Duncan uh, – Yeah, had, a, had his way with him. Kind of had his he? way with him is, is yeah, what yeah, I so, remember hearing. Yeah, I think those two recruits really add to uh, to the transfers and, and the – and what Coach Woodson has done, it's going to be interesting to see how how many minutes um, they can you know earn. Yeah. Uh, other other one uh, we talked about uh, some some other media appearances as the coaching staff continues to be uh, more available. So Dane Fife was on podcast on the brink. Uh, Yasir Rosemond was on with the Hoosier Hysterics, and we plan to have him on uh, later in the off season. Uh, and then you had Woodson. Uh, Talked with AJ Guyton on the House Your Hoosier podcast, and also we we've alluded to the interview uh, a couple times with uh, with Rick Bozich there uh, and others. Uh, Coach, I know the uh, you mentioned the Fife one already. Anything really stand out to you from from that conversation, or something with the the Rosemont one that uh, really really kind of caught your ear? Yeah, you know, um, boy, there's so much uh, out there. You got to really schedule time to to listen to it, but. Um, was listening to Dane Fife on the way over for our our workouts when we have morning workouts before school, um, and I just like the way he he approaches things. He did address the the coach and waiting kind of talk that has been around and and how he approached that in his interview with Coach Woodson. I found that uh, to be fascinating because you need loyal guys, and, and that was discussed in the interview. and And I appreciate Dane saying he wanted to come back to Indiana. He was disappointed that maybe he didn't get the head coaching job. But once he knew it was an IU guy, he wanted to come back and work for an IU guy. That that speaks volumes for the kind of work um, that uh, that Dane is going to put in. And uh, I, I said the thing about, um, you know, he was asked about Rob Finnessy again, and he mentioned, you know, Xavier can drive the lane and kick out to a guy like Rob Finnessy. And, and, boy, that just – my eyes just perked up that I do think they might be playing some multiple point guards at the time 
especially if they play a cop at a three or Parker Stewart at a three, six, five, six, six, and put a little length there at that, at that three spot, if you will, that was interesting from Dane Fife and just his way of talking. I mean, he was busting Alex <laughs> at times on the conversation and, uh, just, I, he just enjoys being at Indiana and it's refreshing. Uh, and I know that he's going to, you just get that feeling that he, he is, um, wants to work hard and, and get things done. And, and again, just little things about helping people with the shot, telling, um, guys take a deep breath at the free throw line. They're, they're just trying to figure out what ha- what went wrong last year and fix it. And that's what good coaching staffs do, even, even in returning years, uh, not just when they take over, but it's just refreshing to see, um, you know, hear coach five talk. I, I just think he's real serious about moving this in the right direction as are all the coaches. Yeah. I thought the, the Rosemont one was, uh, interesting as well. I really, you know, appreciated his, his candor about the, the NCAA situation and his stance on it. What gave a little more context about that and just didn't really hide from any of it. Uh, and just had a really engaging personality. I felt like one that you could see why, um, you know, he would be a good recruiter and kids could gravitate to him and really want to work with him from a, a skill development standpoint. So that's what he's really been doing, you know, over the last you know year plus is just working guys out and doing different stuff like that. Just thought he was really engaging. And, and like I said, you can kind of, you know, spin that forward into, Hey, he's having a conversation with the recruit. You could see how he could pretty quickly build a, a rapport with guys like that and seems to, you know, really be excited about the opportunity, had reverence for the program and, um, and things like that. So I thought it was, uh, I thought, I thought both those were good. Uh, would also put in a, a quick plug. Jared had the chance to interview Devonte green, uh, which I was able to listen to today. And, uh, again, kind of thought that was, I guess I'd say some of the same things about Rosemont. I, I thought Devonte was, you know, really engaging was definitely a, a polarizing guy when he was at IU, um, but was really candid about his time. Uh, also candid about the fact that he had been diagnosed while playing in, in Greece with uh, type one diabetes. So he, uh, you know, had a, a setback with that. Didn't, uh, you know, said it was pretty rare to be diagnosed at, at his age uh, with that. So he ended up, you know, kind of cutting his season short, coming back to the States, uh, working to get that situation under control and plans to go back at it. Um, uh, next year. And, and so, uh, just thought it was a really, you know, kind of fun interview. Jared did a good job of, of the way he kind of framed up some of the things where he would play some highlights and use those to talk through different parts of Devante's career and, um, just some good insight into, you know, playing for Archie and some of those things. I, I just, uh, I, I found that that one really fun. So, uh, if you haven't listened to that, because there've been so many other things coming out, I would definitely, uh, encourage everybody to do that. And then, uh, the only other piece of news, Indiana hires Mike Stump to be the team and recruiting analyst. Uh, this is a position that already existed. I uh, will be honest when I say I don't know a great deal about him. Um, but uh, but anyway, so th- definitely not a short week on news. And even for it being in May, plenty of uh, podcast content, interviews, et cetera, related to IU basketball for everybody to, uh, to jump in on. Man, this is the most – Indiana podcast there have been in April and May in the history of the program. <laughs> I mean, I know that obviously podcast didn't exist 30 years ago, but let's be real. People are churning them out like three times a week. It's crazy. It's hard to keep up. Yeah, absolutely. A try. Right. A try, right. people. Try. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for the first segment. And when we come back, it's going to be time for Ryan to get us caught up with a scouting report on Miller Cop. 
He's been a Hoosier killer in the past. Can he bring the size and shooting we've been looking for next season? We'll talk about that next. Stick with us on the Assembly Call. You're the kind of person who makes a difference at work. So why not work on something that makes a difference? At Zooks, we're looking for collaborative, inquisitive people who can help us achieve our mission. Safer, cleaner, more enjoyable mobility for everyone. Come build the future at Zooks. Find out more at zoox.com slash careers. Every day, thousands of hackers try to steal your crypto. But Arculus uses air-gapped technology by forming a protective barrier that insulates you from hackers and secures your crypto. Order yours at GetArculus.com. All right, welcome everybody. Chat mob, good evening. All right. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> all right. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn some lights on in here. It's a little dark. Okay. Let's I don't want to look like Andy's cave. It's. <laughs> what are you gonna do? <laughs> what are you gonna do? Uh, no, I did uh, the Devante one. I thought was I thought was really interesting. Just gave a good perspective on uh, on him. But yeah, you're you guys are right. It's, yeah, I only got through um, about thirty minutes of that. I got some time. I got to get, get finish that one. Just give, um, those, just give those students some busy work, coach, so you can sit there and listen to stuff. I mean, come on. I know I do that <laughs> way too much, Andy, during bracketology. <laughs> <laughs> this is Keep the time of year you got to try to make up for yeah. it. Is that what you? Is that? What, is that what yeah, I, you know, you never know when someone might walk in and want to see you teaching for your evaluation. And if I had my earbuds in, that probably wouldn't. Probably, probably not. Wouldn't, wouldn't look very good. Probably not. Oh well. All right, so we got Miller Cop to talk about. Got a good mediocre question that Jay is going to be. Based on his uh, critiquing of everyone's answers in the community, is going to be a, a harsh grader on this. So we got to be ready for that when it comes Ouch. to that time. Yeah, exactly. Jay, Jay Seth seems like he's on one tonight. He must have <laughs> had some tough work day or something. <laughs> Go back a couple whiskeys and get on the assembly call chat. <laughs> hey, he just threw something my way, too. See, I told mm -hmm. you. Finish that basement, Jay. I'm telling you, you got to be ready. So, all right, cool. Well, let's get started. We got a lot to uh, get through. We got already, already the old half hour first segment, always a good one. But I am glad to not be constrained by the time commitments anymore. So, I guess that's good. But, all right, here we go. All right. This is Verdell Jones. What's better than an epic buzzer beater? The full court dribble and perfectly placed pass to set it all up. And of course, celebrating with Hoosier Nation afterwards. So join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on an assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. And welcome back to the assembly call. How do you keep up with the fire hose of information that comes out almost every day about Indiana basketball? It's crazy during the offseason and even crazier during the season. 
Well, we've got your back. We send out a free weekly email newsletter on Sunday mornings. rounds up the most important and interesting IU basketball stories from the previous week to keep you up to date on your Hoosiers. Over 8,000 of your fellow IU fans are already on the list, and we want you to be on there as well. So go to join.assemblycall.com to subscribe for free now. That's join.assemblycall.com. You can also text IU to 66866. That's IU to 66866. All right, I'm Andy Bottoms here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni and Ryan Phillips, and wanted to talk about Miller Cop. Um, and this will be a little bit different scouting report. Um, usually we do these on uh, true freshmen where people haven't seen as much of their game. So, um, But did want to talk through a few things with Cop as we you know, look through his career thus far at Northwestern, what he brings to the table, and uh, what we think his, his role may be as we go forward. Uh, you know, biggest thing that I guess can now get IU fans excited is that he's eight of 15 from three across five games against IU in his career. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think a lot of people have, have thoughts and memories of him lighting IU up at times. And now hopefully the uh, shooting can continue, but on the, on the good side of things uh, at assembly hall, the biggest thing, and we'll start here, Ryan, is on the shooting numbers. You know, his three-point shot has been up and down. As a freshman, he was 31.9%. As a sophomore, 39.6%. Uh, is worth noting, you know, he only shot 72 of them as a freshman, shot 164 as a sophomore, and then last year shot 97 and shot 32% from three. The free throw shooting has been good really throughout, was only 70% from the line as a freshman on just 20 attempts, but uh, ramped that up to um, almost a 90% shooter uh, as a sophomore and 83% as a junior. So the the pedigree is there if you use the free throw shooting as a, a proxy for that to say the three-point shooting is going to be good and should come around. But, you know, Ryan, based on you know what you've seen, what you've looked at with him, where do you come down on you know, who the real Miller cop is from a, a three point shooting perspective, because I think that's really what most people are at least expecting of him coming in is to be able to uh, step in and shoot it. Well, based on all the fundamentals of his shot, I would assume he's more his sophomore self about a 40% shooter. I, if you look at the way he, sh- he shoots and sets his feet and goes, I think that that's the guy he is. And the, the 90% free throw shooter. Yeah. I'm, I'm buying that hundred percent. The issue, I think, came this past season when they were expecting a lot from him. I think he started rushing his shot. And, and if you watch film, he's rushing it a little. He's getting his, his, his strong side leg out in front a little bit, kind of hopping with it instead of you know just taking a full shot. But he was also being defended by better players because they were expecting so much of him. Uh, he's 6'7", 215, and he's listed as a forward. He's a wing player. I mean, let's be real. He's a wing player. He might be able to post up if they go really small and, and do some things. I think he's a good finisher around the hoop, uh, not super athletic. I think what gets lost with Miller Cop because he was on Northwestern, is he was a top 100 recruit. I mean, he was he was number 86 on the 24-7. On the composite, he was 115, but he came out of Texas, played some good competition, and he could stick it. He's a shooter, and I I really do just going back and watching. I, I think that he's more the guy he was as a sophomore than he was as a junior. And and I, I think that it's hard to judge guys in a COVID year because of how weird the offseason program was, how weird things set up. There was no real non-conference to sort of get in rhythm before you hit the Big Ten. And then you hit the Big Ten and it's 
outstanding defense all the time, and he was facing the brunt of it as, as a guy who was expected to be one of the leading scorers for Northwestern and and be, you know, sort of their pace setter from the perimeter as a shooter. I think he just started rushing. I think he started pushing too much. It's it's interesting to note that his two point percentage went up as, as a junior, but his overall field goal percentage went down. That tells you how many three point how many three pointers he shoots. Uh, but if you look at the shot, his feet are square, his elbows are in, he releases the ball the right way, uh, very high release, but uh, high pointing it in a good way, not getting too far away from his body. And the follow through and the release and the rotation the ball gets are all outstanding. I, I, you know, I mean, it's, it's what you want from a shooter. Uh, he's sort of a bigger, better defender. He, he's certainly a better defender, but sort of a Nick Zaislav type where he's a guy who can knock down shots. He can go nuclear for you and hit five in a row. Uh, and and it, But isn't streaky to the point where he'll hit five in a row and then miss the next five. He's a consistent, great shooter. And if you leave him alone, he's going to make you pay. And I, I again, looking at those numbers, I feel much more secure in his sophomore season than his junior season. The thing, Ryan, for me is that he's going to be with better talent. Yeah, uh, and and the fact that if he was number one or or two on the scouting report at Northwestern, he's going to come in and and, and TJD is obviously number one. And and are you going to double down a post? Yeah, that leaves uh, defenses in rotation. And, and he's the guy that if the ball pings around and finds him wide open, he's going to be that forty percent shooter yeah. because his form, his footwork, his ability to shoot. Maybe that 32%, 31% was he was taking some shots that were off balance. They were going to him late in the shot clock. Guys yeah. were closing out hard on him. That uh, was a he, bad team, guys. Yeah, like, there, get, he found himself in some bad spots with that team. I think that's, again, what what we get Rob back going. You get Lander going. You get Xavier going. Three point guards, three drivers, and maybe even Bates to some extent that create offense for the other guys, and the other guys can just do uh, – Coach Five talked about the step-in shooters instead of you know moving uh, laterally to get your shot and and you're fading away or whatever. If you just have to catch and go forward that one-two step, yep, and, and you're open. We got some some supposedly we got to see it on the court, but uh, the Stewart and Cop and the question just is how much time is he going to get? And, and and a question to you is. Can he play a four if they want to go small and, and play if the stretch four? Watching Northwestern, he he played the three with they had two big guys they um a, a lot on the floor uh the last two years. So he's more of a three at Northwestern. Can he play the four if Indiana decides to go small? And and is that something you think Coach Woodson might consider? If they're going four out one in, I don't think it matters who's where. Like, I really don't, whether it's Race Thompson or Cobb. I mean, Cobb's 6'7". It's not like he's small. We had Jordan Geronimo at the four at times last year at 6'6". Six, six. You know, I mean, it's it really doesn't matter as long as you can make it up on the defensive end. That's really all you're concerned about, about who's where. So it could just be, I mean, forget the positions. You know, if it's a four or whatever. Right. It could just be four wings, you know, like a point guard and, and four wings or two ball handlers, two wings, whatever you want to call it, and Trace Jackson Davis. You can certainly do that. I, I I don't think there's any issue with that, especially if it's you know a guy like Cop who can who's guard on the wing. The thing I also like about Cop, he's opportunistic defensively. He's not he's not going to be a lockdown. You're not going to put him on the on the best player on the opposing team. So let's let's throw out this. You know he's a stud defender. He's a good defender and he's smart. He's a really smart basketball player. So it's he knows how to time. Okay, they've reversed the ball three times the exact same way. I'm going to jump this passing lane. 
you know, because I know what they're doing. He can diagnose a play like that. He's also a hustler. Like the guy gets on the floor. He is going to track down shots. If a guy's breaking away, he's going to run behind him. I mean, he does all the things you want him to do. You want a basketball player to do, and he does them all solidly. And the other thing I really like about him that I've just seen from watching him play is he's supremely confident. He has a lot of confidence in himself, and that's why it shocked me that he went into shooting slump. And he was talking about it with the Hoosier Hysterics guys. That, yeah, I just got out of rhythm. I don't know what happened. He's a very confident guy, and he knows he can hit those shots, and he knows. So I imagine when the guy is that confident and he goes into slump, it really eats at him, and maybe that made it worse. I don't know. I, I truly think that what happened with Northwestern was they were all bad this year, and that affects everybody. It, it sort of reminded me, and we talked before we went on the air, about it, it's a lot like Tom Crean's final season where you had a, a potential lottery pick in Thomas Bryant the year before, decides to come back, work on his game. He's the same guy he was. But the team was terrible. Some of his games, he didn't play as well because he's forcing it, trying to make something happen. Best player on the team, trying to do some things, blah, blah, blah. And he drops it as a second round pick. And two years into his NBA career, he's starting for the Washington Wizards at center. You know, I mean, it's he's not a different guy. It, guys don't just change like that. It rarely happens. But the circumstances of the team, I think, really affect guys. And I think that's what happened with Miller Cobb. That's my explanation for it because he doesn't look like a different guy. Yep. I also think his his bounce game is a little underrated, and especially if he does play against them, um, you know, uh, I know you, what you say about not having positions, but if he's on the floor, four uh, from the yeah. other teams probably guarding him. He's not going to go out and guard Parker Stewart or somebody else. So he's going to draw the four from another team if he's on the floor in, in that four out one in. And I think his bounce game is a little bit underrated. He's not a closer. He's not going to blow by someone and dunk at right. the rim. But he's got some shifty moves to get in there, shot fake, step through, and and find some openings to get a a, a, a short little five seven foot floater jumper uh, at, at times too that you could take yeah, he's advantage of that. He's opportunistic. He's not. He's not, yes. it's not going to be a huge part of his game. But he's opportunist. He can also pull up too. He, he likes to pull up around the free throw line. If if they're overplaying the three, he can maybe pump fake, do a couple bounces, and and pull up from there. The guy could shoot. Like I think, like it's, you know, the numbers are the numbers, but the guy can shoot. And I'd also say that that yeah, he could do some other things. I mean, he's not look. You're not. I mean, you're not gonna be able to set your watch by his drives. They'll come and go. But he's a good finisher. He's solid all the way around. And he can even dunk. He rarely does it, but he can even he can even throw down on a drive uh, occasionally. So I yeah, there's a lot to like here. And and here's the thing: players like Miller Cop over the past decade or so. Indiana has gone up against them and they've killed Indiana from the three point line. And, 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 or, you know, once they get going with the threes, then they start doing other things and, and all that. So, this is the kind of guy Indiana's been going up against and losing to over the years. This is the kind of guy that Indiana needs to start getting back into their program where it's you surround, you have the big dogs, the, 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 the four and five star you know, great guys, but you need that guy on the perimeter who keeps the defense honest. That's one thing that Indiana hasn't had in four years. feels like they're starting to get a couple of them now. And, and, you know, I also love his attitude. I I love how hard he works. I love his attitude. I love the way he plays. Yeah. It's interesting. You look at some of the, the shooting numbers, as you talked about the, the two point shooting went up overall from sophomore to junior year. 
And it was even better than that in Big Ten play. He was way better in Big Ten play. In in 2020 in Big Ten play, he was 38.7% on twos. He was 46.4 uh, a year ago. So I think there's some things Everyone's there. overplaying the three. It's going to leave things open. You know, it's going to lead to some some drives. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, when you look at Northwestern's team last year, it was kind of a – I think he was second in usage rate on them two years ago. He was actually fifth, uh, I believe, last year. And some of that was – yeah, you know, they had a pretty flat distribution. He played the most minutes by far of the team, but you had Audige and Boo Booey who would, you know, who kind of led the team in in possessions used and, and shots. So I think to a certain extent, he was kind of stuck in the middle where he wasn't one of the big guys they dumped the ball inside to, but he wasn't one of the guards who had, uh, you know, the ball in their hands toward the end of the shot clock and um, just kind of found himself in an odd situation in an offense. It's not all that. Uh, all that fun to watch. So uh, certainly hope that turns around. The one thing that I think I think Fife was talking about him uh, on the podcast uh, with with Alex was about the rebounding. You know, his rebounding percentages are you know only nine point two percent on the defensive side. I don't know that he's a guy you're expecting to get a ton of offensive rebounds given where he's likely to play. But I think, and coach, you can correct me if I'm wrong about this. I, I do feel like that's uh, one thing that Fife singled out about him that they really wanted to see him get to be a better rebounder. Am I Remembering that correctly, or am I confusing my IU podcast from the week? No, I, I think that position is just going to be interesting to watch. Uh, you know, right now, if, if Race Thompson's there, that rebounding is a little is okay at the four. Yeah. If you're going to play Jerome Hunter, if you're going to play Miller Cop, and you're going to go small ball, it's going to have to be some team rebounding. It's going to have to be an emphasis. Um uh, because that's where you can get hurt and games can get lost. Yeah, you have some offensive firepower, but if you're giving up, you know, second, third shots to teams defensively, that's going to be a problem. Rebounding is just it's it's such an important part of your defensive game plan. And, and I like the small ball. I've been clamoring for it for a couple years, uh, and I think it's exciting to watch from the offensive standpoint. But it does have some issues defensively when teams go, you know, two bigs and or, or physical. Uh, type teams, but you better you better rebound, and 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 that's why you know Fife is talking about that. And I'm sure he's talking about Jerome Hunter too. When you play that four, we're gonna need you to really have a mentality of go get it. Uh, and, and it's not sometimes technique; it's just an attitude. You're gonna hit somebody and go get it. Uh, don't watch. And, and so that'll be uh, that'll be interesting to watch uh, who plays that four and then how much they they can rebound. Yeah, that's kind of the last question to throw out on him. You know, the last couple of seasons, he's played about 80% of available minutes. So he's playing about 32 minutes a game. Obviously, that's not going to happen. I guess I shouldn't say obviously. That seems un- very unlikely to happen uh, next year for IU. So, you know, coach, as you think about some of those exercises of figuring out how to distribute minutes and things like that, where do you think he really slots in, both from a Maybe less from a starting or not starting standpoint, but just how many minutes a game do you, do you feel like he ends up uh, getting in what is likely a step back from what he's been last couple of years at Northwestern? Just for the sure numbers of players that can possibly play, I, I'm going to say 16 to 20, but they're going to be 16 to 20 quality minutes. Uh, if it's higher than that, what you're going to see is that the guys coming in were just so much better fit for Coach Woodson, and it's going to push some other guys to a lot less minutes than what they had last year. Um, you know, and that, that is a great question, Andy, because do you bring, usually you bring guys in, you're going to play them and you're going to play them some major minutes because they're your guys and you chose them to, to come in. But, um, you know, I, I, 
I've toyed around with lineups over and over again, and I'm sure we'll discuss it all off season. But I can see him and Parker Stewart being um, that shooter that so they constantly have one of those knockdown shooters on the floor at all times. I can see those two playing together too and have multiple shooters. It just depends. You have three point guards, you have several guards that can shoot. Uh, how that those minutes are going to be divided, but. I think there's going to be a lot of players that are going to get less minutes, but they're still going to be valuable quality minutes, and that's a sales job that Coach Woodson's going to have to sell. Uh, and I think that can be a benefit for Indiana too, being fresh, getting better shots. You're not playing, you know, extreme, massive amounts of minutes. That helps with TJD too. Um, get him good 28 to 30 minutes, maybe 32 minutes because he's your best player, not playing 36, 37. Um, gives Indiana a little bit of an advantage, but I'm going to say around 20 um, on, on average uh, for for Miller. Ryan, you got any thoughts about uh, minute distribution with him? Yeah, I'd I'd say about 20. I think if you're bringing him in, he's a veteran too. He's going to be in his fourth year. I don't know if he's going to take the extra year or not, but as a fourth year guy, he's got some experience that some of the other guys won't have, and I think that they'll probably lean on him pretty hard early and we'll see how it plays out. If some of the other guys are developed as shooters and some of the advancement in shooting has come for guys like, you know, Jerome Hunter and, and, and a few of the other guys, Rob Finnessy and, and a bunch of guys can shoot, then maybe you don't have to lean on him as much. But I think early on, you know, he can shoot, you know, he's going to be a guy you can rely on. He'll get some lineup minutes and then as the other guys prove themselves, maybe that drops a little bit uh, based on other things, like, as we said, rebounding, defense, all that other stuff. But I would say that, yeah, I think early on, he's probably going to be somebody they lean on pretty heavily. All right, well, that'll do it for our Miller Cop scouting report. And coming up in our third segment, we'll do some subscriber shout-outs and answer your questions. So stick around with us here on the Assembly Call. Everyone loves shopping online. Well, I'm going to tell you what I tell my golf buddies when they buy clubs. Stop searching for coupon codes. Download Capital One Shopping to your computer. Capital One Shopping instantly searches for available coupon codes and automatically applies them at checkout. Plus, it's free, and you don't even need a Capital One card to use it. That's like hitting a hole in one without even trying. Capital One Shopping is kind of genius. What's in your wallet? Savings and available coupons vary. Hear that? That's the sound of someone trying to steal your crypto. Every day, thousands of hackers online are doing the same. That's why Arculus uses air-gapped cold storage technology to protect your assets. Using our keycard and wallet app to form a protective barrier, Arculus insulates you from hackers and puts control of your digital assets back in your hands. Order the first truly air-gapped crypto wallet at GetArculus.com. All right. Yeah, I'd be curious. I, you know, I was tempted to wonder whether, you know, playing him that many minutes also was a factor last year, especially you didn't have as much offseason yeah. stuff. You didn't have whatever, like, you know, it didn't seem to impact him at all in a sophomore year. So you could easily turn that argument around and say, well, minutes isn't a big deal. He shot it really well then. But all of his other numbers, other than, you know, kind of taking fewer shots and shooting shooting worse from three really weren't that different from the year prior. Obviously the, the vo sheer volume was different just because they played, mm -hmm. you know, 20 game or 20 
2023 games as opposed to 30, but otherwise, you know, otherwise wasn't there. But I think in a complimentary role, I think he can play really well. Yeah, and I mean, it just opens the floor for every for you know for everybody else for the drivers like a lander or somebody like that having cop on the wing means you can drive at that side and they're not going to help out. And if they do, you got a wide open three. It and 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 for Trace as well. I mean, we've talked about that endlessly, but he knocked down some shots and Trace's life gets so much easier on the interior. Then they've got to suck down and all those guys are going to be open again. And it just here's the thing that didn't happen in the four years under Archie. You never made the defense have to pick what they were going to guard and where they were going to shade things. It was always Trace or whoever was in the post. It was, you know, Jawan Morgan or, or whoever it was. It They never once made a defense say, okay, we've got to take this away, and if they beat us from there, great. Like, there was no option. It was... they. It, Please beat us from three, you know, and every time it was, please beat us from the perimeter. We dare you. You know, there's no picking your poison. It was just, yeah, no, that, that one, you're doing that one. And um, the fact that Trace put up the numbers he did dealing with what he had to deal with is quite frankly, looking back on it is pretty shocking. And uh, so, you know, that's what you're trying to do. You're just trying to give yourself options and, make the defense commit to one thing while you do the other and, 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 and feel confident. you can. So that's, that's the whole thing with shooting, man. It, it makes the game so much easier. Ryan, how do you compare him to Jerome? Uh, I mean, he's more um, Jerome. His release is very lazy on it on his shot I, I like i think jerome is a straightforward guy they were talking about with with five and i agree with you the problem with so much three-point shooting now is guys are hunting shots by shuffling instead of going forward and back and so you're shuffling to the side shuffling to the side shuffling to the side you catch the ball what's your inclination it's to go to the side when you jump it's not to jump straight now guys who get their feet set do that and, and you watch some of cops highlights He's a guy who catches the ball and he's already set to shoot. He doesn't he doesn't catch he's the square, ball. His, gets it. He's got good he is, feet. And 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 he's getting rid of it, you know, quickly because he's already set when he catches the ball. Uh Jerome is a bit more nonchalant with things. I think they're going to try and beat that out of his game. Um but here's the thing, Jerome has more upside. He just does. I mean, he's he's more athletic. He is probably a better defender when he's locked in, when he's paying attention. Of course, that's a caveat. Jerome can he also can go by he can post. He can go by people. I mean, we saw he can go by people in high school. He just doesn't have that burst because of the the leg issues. But, but you know, with enough development, he's a guy who can do multiple things on the floor. Cops a shooter who can occasionally drive and then does a lot of the things, a lot of team uh, things things for the team that are a plus. You know, he's a team guy and he does a lot of the things. You know that 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 give you a big. Uh, leg up, diving on the floor, finding a loose ball, smartly running up behind somebody who's being loose with the ball and poking it loose. You know, I mean, things like that, where it's an assessment of the game and figuring out where to go and what to do. He does a lot of that stuff, and 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 that helps teams win. So, hey, yeah, I mean, that's the difference between the two of them. Uh, I think he's going to be dog way for playing time because I think Jerome, with a new voice, could develop. It's just a matter of whether or not it happens. One of the things Fife uh, kind of hinted upon too is that defense is going to be a determinant. Defense and rebound is going to be a determinant of 
of playing time. He also mentioned shooting, obviously. Yeah. But if you got two guys who can shoot it uh, and they're playing for the same minutes, uh, the guy who's also going to provide some defense and rebounding is probably going to play a little bit more or at least get the shot for that game or that week or whatever else. And that competition's only going to ride, you know, increase everyone's effort and, and attitude. But, you know, that's my concern with Jerome is he struggles uh, with some defensive awareness and, and, and being able to guard. Uh, he's going to have to get better there despite his, uh, you know, his good offense. There are many consequences for everybody. You got to be yep. a better player, you know, and, yep. and you bring in good players, you know, more good players, and there's going to be competition. And it's either going to make you better or you're going to wilt and you're going to transfer, you know, and it's, and that's the thing you have to decide. Do you want to get better? And I think, you know, a lot of these guys do want to get better. They know they weren't good enough. They're you know, they're not stupid. There's no, there's nobody on this team who was satisfied with last season. And the only guy who probably could be was trace. And he definitely wasn't satisfied. So or he wouldn't I, be back. Yeah, or he w- well, not only wouldn't he be back, but he said it during the season. You know, he wanted yeah. to be the guy that helped turn this around, and they clearly didn't. And, and so, um, yeah, I, I think that. And he's got to he's got to own some of that too. You know. Oh, of course, of course. You say it in the media several times, and it doesn't get done. You're the you're the leader on that. You you've got to you know you got to make sure you make those corrections this year and and get it done, whatever it Agreed. is, whether it's your, your development of your right hand or a jump shot or defense or staying out of foul trouble or being better in the locker room, whatever it takes. Yep. Oh, they all got to get better. You know, they really do. All right. You guys ready for last segment? I'll do as many of these as I can. <laughs> Sorry, I, I was, no, I was coaching good. Ryan talking for like 20 minutes. Nope, you're good. <laughs> totally fine. So, all right. Um, all right, let's go. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. And welcome back to The Assembly Call. I'm Andy Bottoms here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni and Ryan Phillips. And it's segment three, which can only mean one thing. And the one thing is to see whether I remembered to get this drop, which surprisingly I did. All right, so this week's subscriber shout-outs. Uh, I appreciate Jared for uh, putting people in here who have names that I should be able to pronounce without uh, too much issue. Uh, first one comes to us from Peru, Indiana, and it is from Bob Mock. Bob's favorite Hoosier is Trace Jackson Davis, and for his assembly call leader, he said, too close to call, all you guys do a great job. Very political answer, but we appreciate it, Bob. Uh, and our second subscriber shout out comes to us all the way from Pierce, Arizona, and it's from Sally Newland. Uh, her favorite Hoosier is or her favorite Hoosier is all of them. Uh, for her assembly call leader, Sally said, "As our founding uh, father, Jared would be the leader, but I love Andy, Coach, and Ryan too. And for her special acknowledgement, she said, "You all have been a bright light in a dark place recently, and I'm sure we all appreciate it. So, uh, Sally, we are glad we could do that, and certainly appreciate you. And thanks to you and Bob for." Uh, getting your shout out here by spreading the word about the newsletter. So we, uh, we really appreciate that. And now it's time for our mailbag. As always, questions were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about and join at assemblycall.com slash community. And we will begin with. It's not that good, but it's not that 
question. All right. So Jay's question here, I'll give the uh, caveat here at the end. He said, now that we're five weeks out from Mike Woodson being hired and news has finally slowed down a bit, give me the three best specific things that have happened to IU basketball since the hire was announced. And by specific, he calls out, don't take the easy way out like community members who he won't call out by name, who he then subsequently (laughs) called out by name. Uh, and, and list general things. So you can't say built a good staff. It has to be more specific, like hired Dane Fife. Uh, all right. So who wants to be on the hot seat first? With I got this it. One? Jay is, is here it. and ready. Uh, all right, Ryan, we'll let you go first. Trace Jackson Davis's return. Number one, number two, Kenya Hunter coming back. I, I think retaining him was huge. And number three, I think uh, bringing Dane Fife back. I think that that, that helped a lot of fans who have wanted him for a very long time. I think you could also say scoop Bates uh, coming in, you know, that, that was my three or four. Um, but I think Dane Fife, because there were people at Indiana who wanted him back for a decade. And even when he was coaching, you know, when he was a head coach, people wanted him in Indiana as an assistant, you know, and, and it took a long time, but I think that a lot of people cheered that. I think the day it happened, everybody, a lot of people were shocked and celebrating and happy. And I think that was a great day, but those three moves, I think are the big ones. Trace Jackson Davis returning, uh, retaining Kenya Hunter wound up being vitally important to the recruiting class and the transfers and everything. And then, uh, uh, Dane Fife as well. Uh, Kathy in the chat, pick five uh, as as numbers one, two, and three for her. So she left a couple uh, to, uh, you know, really only used up one. So, Coach, what about you? You know, I, I think Jeff Marlowe was right right on point when, when he said built a staff. I don't know why Jay's got a problem with that. I mean, we got three really great assistant coaches, and if you name all three of them, then, then you don't get to say TJD or, or Tamar Bates. So, you know, uh, Jay, Jay's got to get some work done on his basement and he, he's got to pay attention a little bit that build a staff is, is, it can be one of those answers that really is going to move Indiana basketball. So I'm a little disappointed in, in Jay's. I think it's below mediocre uh, question actually tonight. <laughs> do you, do you have an actual three that you want to attempt to? I'm with Ryan. Here? All right. <laughs> <laughs> you Andy. Nice. You have um, a different answer, Andy. I, I have, I would. I would make two of the three the same for sure. I think the TJD return and Fife, I think, are two kind of givens. Somebody said somebody said TJD returning was an earthquake in the chat. That is absolutely correct. Like that was a wake up one morning. Like whoa, what's going on? Like that yeah. was a stop your heart moment. I think. Yeah. the The other one that I would say, and I I hesitate to know whether this will be uh, acceptable to Jay's rules, and I don't really know that this is a Woodson decision necessarily. But I'll say the increased availability of the staff in general to, to fans and, and media outlets has really helped to continue to build the excitement. It would be one thing to have all these things happen, but being able to hear these guys talk about it and, and be available in so many ways um, I think is has been good. Like I said, I'm not sure you can totally attribute that to Woodson, so maybe that's not uh, – Maybe that doesn't fit the question. I'm sure Jay will let me know uh, if it doesn't. But um, that would be the other thing. I just think that's been a great way to carry forward that momentum by continuing to be in the news cycle, continuing to be out there talking about what's going on and and sharing that kind of thing. I hope this is specific enough for Jay, but the collaboration uh, and the lack of ego that Coach Woodson is showing in in allowing – uh, you know, Thad Mata to be a part of it and wanting to do that, bringing in Dane Fife, even though Dane tried for for the job. The, the, 
the attitude of Coach Woodson coming to Indiana is, is one of the best things that he has done and brought uh, to to, um, to the program. All right, next question. Uh, Not right. a bad oh. question, Jay. On, I, I got to that mediocre. Come Coach on, Ryan. Is Coach, below, Coach is below mediocre for Jay Horry. I didn't think it was terrible. You can't you can't put those parameters. You can't hem in Coach with these with these <laughs> guardrails that let uh, Coach that Cook. He want to let Coach Cook. Let him do his thing. That's anyway. right. I need four or five. All right. Uh, Elbows in asked the Devonta interview got me thinking. Who is your all time almost team? Players who showed talent, just not enough production to turn into big time contributors to make it easy. Let's start from 2010 to th- to 2020. Uh, oh, coach, coach, you got any thoughts about this one? Yeah, I, I put a I put a list together. It was pretty cool to go back through the rosters between 2010. Now, this is a good question. This re- this is where it, I'm really glad it brings I called out the you best because you're family. clearly the most prepared of the three of us. So. Excellent move by me. Yeah, I'll say that to one say, to you first. Say my, yeah, my number one's Mo Creek. Yeah, uh, and his his unfortunately was injury. Yeah. Right, uh, really talented. Had some really big games, but then injuries just decimated his time. And you could kind of go with Verdell Jones, although Verdell Jones did some things. But those two were were, were my the the top two that I thought you know played well at times. Also had some down times. One was injury, and um, you come to appreciate them after they've been gone for a while. But those were those were two that I would be on the, the almost team, as was said by Elbows. Yeah, that- uh, I, I would have I would have OG there because he got injured his second year when he could have really dominated the Big Ten that year, at least had a big significant I mean he's he's gone on to do great things. Like, you know, but I, I thought that I, I think he was everybody was really looking for him to have a huge sophomore season um after he got draft buzz after his freshman year. And that injury really set him back and and obviously put him out for the rest of the year. And it really he never got to be the guy in Indiana, even though he clearly had the talent to do that. I mean, I would be remiss if uh, in Jared's absence that I didn't throw out Stan Robinson, um, you know, because obviously he holds a a special place uh, for Jared and I. And we saw in that NCAA tournament game when he was at Rhode Island, uh, what, what he was capable of. Um, No, I think those were, I think those are good ones. Yeah. I think that one of the things with, um, with with Verdell was not even as much like his career, but just not being able to, you know, the timing of his injury was just so oh, it was the worst. Uh, after Horrible. All that, I think that was, you know, ne- never a good time to be injured. But given kind of what he'd been through into that point, I think was um, was a tough one. And and I think you could maybe make a similar argument with with Duran. Um, you know some of the injuries. Yeah, there that's a good one. Yeah, I didn't think about one. things like things like that, where that that was really the accumulation of injuries. It wasn't necessarily the timing, but um, you know that was uh, you know that would be another one. People throwing out Curtis Jones in the chat after the. Uh, yeah, that's good, Tyler. After, that's really good after the after the Kansas game. Um, no, so, no, no, Finkelmeyer. That did not he, he <laughs> did has, not come up. Some promise did not come up. All right, did not come up. All right. Uh, let's see. Next question is from Andrew with the Wagner decision and a few other NBA and transfer decisions coming down. Where does IU now rank in the big 10 in terms of talent and where likely preseason project and where likely preseason projections for where they will finish and land them. Uh, I know Torvik has done some stuff, which, uh, he's doing the Lord's work trying to keep up with who's going where and running simulations for it. Uh, I give him, I give him a great deal of credit for that, uh, for sure. Um, but I, I don't know. 
I was trying to look here real quick just where uh, where IU ranks in his Big Ten projections. I think he's got them sixth. No, sixth. Uh, it looks like, but fairly fairly bunched up. You got he's got Michigan, Purdue, Ohio State, Maryland, Michigan State, and then IU. Um, so he's got him sixth. I, I don't know. Um, you know, coach, any any thoughts on this one? I I know you guys have put out a, a bracket projection, so you're further ahead of that game than I am but uh that, that was throw darts at a bunch of names and put them in seeds just to get out ahead of Andy Bottoms but no I do have to credit Jay on this you know I hate to do it uh but Jay did put together a spreadsheet uh, of some statistics I believe from Bart Torvik uh, uh and that uh, opened my eyes a little bit um again all, all rankings at this point of the year are somewhat you know questionable not from the talent of these people putting the stats together, but it's just a, a lot of unknown as how this all fits. Um, but I'd say obviously the safe answer is in the top half of the big 10, which is one through seven. But, you know, I think Indiana at its ceiling, if everyone uh, makes some strides and, and the right players make the, the right improvements and it meshes together, you could see a top four probably talent wise uh, in the big 10. Um I'm just playing it safe a little bit and think Indiana program is going to be a lot better talent wise. It's a lot better fit, a lot better offense. And I think we're a top half team and anything below that will be a little disappointing. And if we get up in the top four, uh, that's going to be an exciting uh, run in year one. Right. Yeah. I would put them in the top five talent wise right now with what's projected. And, And if you're top five talent wise, well, guess what? You should probably be in the top five of the conference. So uh, I think that's where I would say is this team next year needs to be competing. You know, they don't have to win the big 10 in, in Mike Woodson's first year, but with an all American back and with that talent around them, they, they got to be competing, you know, at the top of the big 10. So that, that's, that's where I fit. I, I know, obviously you can't expect too much from a first season, but y- y- you know, all of that stuff goes out the window when you get an all American to come back. All right. Jeff asks, what question would you guys have for Brian Evans next week? We're interviewing Evans in the community, which is true and a good call out. Um, did one with Steve Green. I believe it was last week. It could have been earlier this week. My concept of time uh, continues to be poor at best. Uh, but um, thoughts on questions for uh, for Brian Evans. Uh, Coach, any, any stand out to you? Uh, my, mine, I'd want to know about um... – the motion offense and 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 how how he felt making his cuts and which cut was his favorite, um, and and what side and how did he like to catch the basketball and and who was the best passer? The some of those um, insight into that great motion offense of Coach Knight. That's you know obviously for my own personal, you know you always want to learn something. Uh, what what a great you know shooter and and that offense was so beautiful. Um, the shot clock has ruined that. A lot of coaches have gone away from that. Uh, obviously, with the dribble drive and the, the the all of that stuff, pick and roll game now. Uh, but boy, that was just beautiful, and he was just a, a player that really excelled in that. Uh, and so that that would be the avenue that I would take. I don't want to know who is closest with on the team. That's like who are his buddies. That's yeah. what I would want to know. I, I think the one the one for me, uh, it, and maybe this is. I have fairly vivid memories of this game, so maybe this is why. But the the Michigan game, then they played up. Uh, in Ann Arbor, uh, I think it was he might have been a redshirt freshman at the time, but he kind of that to me was when he really burst onto the scene a little bit. He had a couple big threes in that game, as I recall. Uh, it was one where Allen Henderson blocked the shot at the end of the game uh, to preserve the victory. He had a couple really big shots in that game, and I, that to me was the first time that 
I, I really remember being like, wow, this, this guy, you, you know, has something to do. I think, like I said, I think he was a redshirt freshman at the time. Uh, somebody will probably correct me about that if I'm, if I'm wrong, but, uh, but anyway, I thought that was, you know, just, just from a game standpoint, he had a lot of great memories you know, watching him pop his shoulder back into place, which is not a great memory at all, but, you know, do those things in the, over the course of the game and just the growth that he showed over the four years. But that, that game kind of stood out to me is where he announced his presence. So uh, that would be mine. Uh, all right, Bill. So who on last year's team do we think has been under the radar player who did not quite mesh with Archie's system? In other words, is there a lesson to be learned from Devante's story that, that may apply to some other players on the current roster. Uh, and so basically a guy that, that Woodson might be able, able to unlock uh, more so than, than Archie was able to. So Ryan, is there anybody like that uh, that you see on the roster of the returning guys that maybe didn't jive well, didn't fit well in the system, but could uh, uh, maybe surprise people this year in a, a different uh, system? Oh yeah. Jerome Hunter. That's my answer. I, I just think that Jerome, plays a little more loose and creatively than a structured system w- would hold him in. And Archie's was a very rigid system. I-, I think that Jerome plays more like an NBA guy or, and the NBA plays a bit like sort of a, you have more freedom to do, to make decisions and stuff. And I-, I think that Jerome really struggled with how strict the system was under Archie. And it'll be interesting to see. I mean, because there's no way that Mike Woodson could walk in, watch Jerome Hunter play and be like, well, that guy doesn't have talent. You know, I mean, like he he's he if Jerome Hunter explodes and takes it to the next level, it, it's great for Indiana. If he doesn't, you know, it kind of feel like, well, it's kind of a not I don't want to say a wasted career, but it feels like, well, it's it's a waste of a lot of talent if he doesn't succeed. So, I think the coaches are going to really go after go after trying to make him a, a successful player and and find a way to fit him in to their system and and improve him uh game to game and in the offseason specifically coach you got anybody i i think i think that's a really good choice uh and that was one of my two i'm going to go with christian lander uh lander come in you know obviously reclassified but was ranked um high for his class and even the reclassified class i think there's some five-star ability or high four-star ability there and i think um and i look forward to seeing uh, what coach uh, woodson can um you know, get out of him and, and move him more towards his goals. Yeah. The other, other guy I would throw out would be fantasy. Um, and, and I, maybe this is, uh, you know, I, Fife talked up him a lot, uh, talked about him a lot again on the inside the hall, um, podcast, Alex, Alex had a question for him about it. And Fife just talked about some of the shots that fantasy ended up taking where he was, you know, to kind of go back to our other conversation, you know, kind of falling to the side and not being able to square up and, um, I just keep going back to listening to Fife on the Hoosier hysterics and about his struggles with confidence over the course of time and how he really fought his way through that to to play as well as he did at the end of his IU career. And it feels like that kind of experience is maybe allows him to be able to coach fantasy through um, some of the confidence issues that it seems like he's had. So I'll throw him in the, uh, in the mix as well. Uh, let's see, Patrick, what is more important to the program? Are you making the NCAAs next year or TJD getting drafted in the first round? Uh, Ryan? That's a terrible question because the answer is obvious. It's making the NCAAs. If your program's not making the, if, if any has not backing the NCAAs. No, no reason to, no reason to, to call I'm not out trying the, to, uh, the questioners. I'm not trying to crap on Patrick. I'm just saying like, guys, this one's obvious. It's making the NCAA tournament. I, 
uh, you know, if Trace gets drafted, that's great. And, and it's certainly great for the program, but it's great for the program for about the 30 seconds. He walks on stage, gets his hat and Jersey and walks off stage. If he gets a first round pick, the NCAA tournament puts you on TV. Hopefully you win a game. You're on TV for a whole weekend. You're able to, I mean, and, and they're talking about your team on television the entire time. Plus it gives Mike Woodson a chance to be like, Hey, we're back. We're getting there. Even if you lose in the second round, you're still, you're, you're like, Hey, you know what? This was step one, step two, get to the sweet 16 elite eight step three. We're back in the final four. You know, it, it's massive for Indiana to be able to do that because guess what? Kids who are recruited, being recruited, yeah, they're excited if you put people in the NBA, but they're also excited if they are on national television getting a chance to show off what they can do. And there's no bigger stage than the NCAA tournament. It's no mystery that the schools that get the top team, the top players are often the ones that challenge for national championships. There's a reason. Kids want to be on that stage. Um, there are other – I mean, obviously, there are odd guys every year who bounce to you know a random school – but for the most part, if you're a top player, you're playing for a team that's challenging for a national title. Not necessarily making the Final Four, but you're one of those top teams. If in, if in, if Indiana's back in the NCAA tournament, it signals, hey, we're back to competing. We're gonna we're this is step one. We're on our way. So, yeah, it's absolutely getting in the NCAA tournament. Coach, what about you? Yeah, uh, you know, Indiana getting in the NCAA tournament's good for Coach Tonsoni. You know, make sure we get some third person here. I lost that poll and a little disappointing uh to all of you that you picked ryan so i'm gonna talk in the third person uh a lot no I, it's got to be the ncaa's because the program's got to move forward and that's what indiana basketball is about is getting to the tournament and then the next step is advancing to the second weekend and getting to the final four and, and hopefully down the road having a chance to win another championship you don't do that uh, uh by going another year without the ncaa's i just think it's it's really, really important to, without trying to put a, a whole lot of pressure on. I, I don't know if that's even pressure. It just should be done. Um, yeah, NCAs. Yeah, I'll make that unanimous. I think uh, does does a lot of things for you in terms of you know solidifies. Presumably, at that point, you've played played well enough. Woodson's answered some of the questions about what his style is going to be. It's been effective enough to get you the NCAA tournament. You've presumably seen him help guys make strides that were there a year ago, which I think is also really important and just kind of lets people know, Hey, this is, you know, I, I don't want to say the IU is back thing, you know, print the shirts again, all that, that whole, that whole thing. But, uh, but I think it would give a window. You've, you've seen a year of him coaching and it's, and it's worked um, to get back to the NCAA tournament. He's gotten the team further than they were the year before. And I think that goes a long way from a recruiting standpoint and, uh, all those things. So that to me uh, is the answer to that one. And lastly, Jerry asks, when does this period of insanity, otherwise known as a transfer portal, officially end? The answer, Jerry, is never um, because it will always be there. Uh, it does seem like it's slowed down quite a bit for, for players. I think you may have a, a little more activity once the uh, people get feedback about the draft and determine whether they're going to stay in or go out. Um, and so that may lead to a little more movement potentially. Um, but it does seem like it's, it's, it's died down a little bit, but, um, still something that's going to be around for a while. So I don't think that one will be, uh, will be, will, will ever truly be gone. All right, guys. Uh, we no AC After Dark theme music yet. Uh, Bob had a computer crash this week, so he is, uh, you know, he's still working on that. So we will, uh, we'll, we'll wrap things up from there. 
Uh, and that will do it for this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next Thursday or sooner if any news breaks. Until then, take it from me, Robert Johnson. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. I like everything about that. All right, fellas. I think we got through pretty much all the questions. So, yeah, wrapped it up. Jay Horry, make me the AC after dark host, you cowards. No, Jay. No. <laughs> Back off, Jay. <laughs> oh, man. Jay's strict rules have turned, have turned the panel against him, it would, it would seem. <sighs> Although there were a few piling on uh, Coach Marlowe about his, uh, his, his, the lack of specificity in his answer. So Jay was not the only one. Kathy was giving him a hard time, too. So. Uh, Kathy, the poll they're they're talking about was who uh, of the people on the show would take Mike Woodson's path and refer to themselves in the third person. And my reply below it, which got a ton of likes, was, look, even I voted for myself. Like, it's like, you know, it's, I have a reputation, <laughs> folks. So, All right. Well, Ryan patting himself on the back for the number of likes he got for a reply to something really solidifies yeah. him as the answer to the question. So I think that I'm Ryan Phillips much, got a lot of likes on that. Pretty answer. much shakes out shakes a out lot likes. of likes. A lot goes. I mean, wow. No, they just all popped up at once. I looked down. I'm like, oh, okay. Apparently, people like that. It mm. is funny. I do think it was. It, it was I do, good. It was I, a good tweet. I do Thanks. think I mean, it's no lie. I do think of that stuff every time where uh, when Woodson says that because he did it a couple of times on the podcast with Guyton, and so I always go back to the the prior conversations about about that. So Mike Woodson's a Mike Woodson guy. <laughs> so yeah, Coach. I mean, all uh, you know, just on times that Ryan isn't here, though, I think you should still feel free to to do that as needed. Call yourself Coach. Why not? Yeah. Anyway, this has been a good show for Coach Tonsoni. <laughs> <laughs> all right fellas uh anything else anything else going on in the uh world of iu basketball we somehow didn't didn't hit i didn't know that they're they're within two weeks of getting back for the first summer session may 11th or something like that it just hit yep. me that their guys are graduating already the semester's over and some of those like xavier johnson's excited about getting on campus that'll be good maybe we'll see some social media stuff from him working out that'll yeah. be good true Nice. All right. Well, fortunately, we'll miss you guys next week. Um, yeah. Have a good, you're, have yeah, a good you're show out next without week. me. I am. First real vacation I've taken since the Maui Invitational in 2018. I've gone places, but it's never been a vacation. Where are you headed? So, uh, we're going to the Big Island of Hawaii. My mom literally, like, I think it was. 12 days ago was just looking online and she's like found tickets for like a quarter of the price. and was just like, we're doing this. It's like a Thursday to a Tuesday. And uh, she's like, my parents travel a ton and they just haven't gotten to do it in the last 14 months. And so I think they're, you know, like, you know, just, just, just like, ah, you know, they need to get out. And 
um that's what they do for fun so uh madeline and i are are gonna tag along and keep them company make sure they don't get in too much trouble nice well enjoy good deal yeah it'll be nice five days with no work for again the first time since and in 2018 i worked three days that i was in hawaii so you know because i worked the tournament but um yeah i think i think the one uh trip i've taken that was to somewhere that could be considered vacation. You know, I've gone, I've gone to visit family and stuff, but I haven't. And I flew to Italy for a total, including travel four days. And it was travel there, surprise my mom for her 70th birthday, hang out for a day and then fly back. It was awful. Like it was the, being there was fun, but the two full day flights sandwiched around two days. There was, was rough, but um, I like you know, everything about that. Yeah. There you go. Nice. Nice. So, yeah, uh, finally get a vacation. It'll be nice to just relax for once. Absolutely. Well, enjoy it. Enjoy it. So, all right, fellas. All right, everyone. Thanks. That'll do it. Thanks, Chat Mob, for joining us tonight. And uh, we'll talk uh, next week. See you. Yeah. Bye, guys. Peace. Later. At California's Great America, it's never too early to start thinking about next year's fun. That's why we're offering the lowest price of the year on a 2022 Gold Pass right now. That includes unlimited visits this year, so you can enjoy the Great Pumpkin Fest, Haunt, and Winterfest. Then unlimited visits next year to try new foods, enjoy festivals like Taste of Orleans, scream on our world-class coasters, and splash away at South Bay Shores Water Park, all for just $82 plus applicable taxes and fees. Hurry, offer ends October 31st, so get your Gold Pass now at cagreatamerica.com. It's amazing in here. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.